Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Now this morning we kick off a brand new series of messages in the book of Jonah. We're just going to camp out in the Old Testament book of the prophet Jonah for the next few weeks. I thought what would be really cool this morning is since this is a story that is you know, you probably heard a little bit about it. it involves a big old fish and, and all that great, great fish tail, all that good stuff. I thought it'd be really cool this morning to hear from our very own resident professional fisherman. And he didn't know I was going to do this this morning, especially in the early service. But hey, Seth, right, Seth, right back here along the back wall. Y'all see him right there. Hey, Seth, I want you just to stand up. We got to give honor where honor is. He just won a fishing tournament this past weekend out on the lake. Let's give it up for him. Now, now Seth, I've seen some pictures of you. Here's what I want you to do real quick. I want to ask you about a picture. You're in a blue shirt, you're on a boat, and you're holding a fish, right? Where were you fishing at? In Florida, okay. And uh, it's a pretty big fish. What kind of fish was it? A largemouth bass. Now, this picture is incredible. Uh, how much did it weigh? 11 pounds, 11 pounds. How long was the thing? When's your girlfriend's birthday? Okay, okay, listen. All right, that's good. Uh, okay, he loves you. Um, here, anyway, tell me about the fight. That thing put up a pretty good fight. I mean, you, what'd you think when you brought it in? Was it just, yeah, you're just blown away, right? Man, good job. In fact, we got a picture of this thing. I want to show it to you um, because, you know, it's hard to believe a, a fisherman. Take a look at Seth's. First, <laughs> man, isn't that what you feel about a fisherman when he talks about catching a big old fish, right? Man, I went out to the lake, caught me a 200-pound smallmouth bass up underneath them tires. Anyway, and you just go through and go, well, I didn't wonder if there's any, any truth to that, right? Fishermen always tell tales. And sometimes when you get to the book of Jonah, that kind of fishtail idea works in with us. Here's an actual picture, and this is the actual fish he caught, which is not as colorful, but pretty incredible catch of a fish. And as we begin to jump in, dive in to this Jonah series, here's what I want us to begin to understand. This series is, is no whale of a tale, but an actual historical event that teaches us a lot about ourselves, a lot about the God we serve, and a lot about God's work in and through humanity. Now, uh, this morning, I hope you're, uh, you're not going to be too disappointed. We actually don't get to the great fish part of this story today. We're going to spend time in just the first three verses of the book of, of Jonah. But here's the truth. Before we talk about Jonah in a well or Jonah in a great fish, here's what we've got to understand. That there's a Jonah in you and there's a Jonah in me. And we first got to understand this very reality. Here's what I mean. There's not a little man named Jonah inside of me. There's not a little man named Jonah inside of you. But here's the truth of it. There's a sin nature that Jonah, that we're going to see exposed and laid open in his book. A sin nature that he wrestled with that reminds me a lot of the sin nature I wrestle with day in and day out. And I bet you if you let it, It'll remind you of a sin nature that you've wrestled with in and every day in your life as well. Now, we oftentimes like to take this story of Jonah, and I have this, so just give me one second here. We love to take the story of Jonah and make it all about the whale, right? Or the great fish. 
We love to make this story about the great fish. Now, and I'll be honest with you, I blew this thing up this morning in my office. I ordered off Amazon. I had no idea this thing was this big. I woke up three different times in the office going, where am I um, after holding this well? But here's what we love to do about this story is we love to make Jonah and this story all about a well. We even like to make it look cartoony and fun, but in all actuality, the story of Jonah is about God's great compassion for his people and even his great compassion for a failed prophet. In fact, did you know that in the book of Jonah, the great fish is only mentioned four times? Jonah, whose name carries the book, is only mentioned 18 times, whereas God is mentioned 37 times. Whether it's Jonah's story, your story, or my story, God is the hero of all stories. And Jesus is pointed to just like he is in the book of Jonah, and love wins the day. Love wins today. However, the more you and I can make this story about a whale and take our eyes off of the God of this story, the easier it is for you and I to not worry about the Jonah in you and the Jonah in me that this story exposes. If I can make it about this thing, what this story exposes in me, I can deaden it and I can play it off and not allow God to do business with me. So this morning, we are on no fishing expedition. Rather, we are on a hunt for the Jonah in you and the Jonah in me. So let's dive in together. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Jonah. And we're gonna begin in verse one. And catch what the Bible says as we talk about the Jonah in me. In Jonah chapter one, starting in verse one, the Bible says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, I love this phrase right here, the word of the Lord. It's expressed seven times in the book of Jonah, but here's what we don't know. We don't know exactly how God expressed his word to Jonah. We, we don't know exactly how he came to him. God spoke to all of his prophets in varying ways. In fact, I listened to him. At times, God spoke through James, at times more directly, at other times in a still small voice in 1 Kings chapter 19, or even a whirlwind in Job chapter 38. Here's what we get about God, that God loves connecting with us through his word. He loves connecting with us through prayer and really any means necessary. And so we find here in Jonah chapter one that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God got his attention. God had something for him to do. And look at verse number two, we begin to uncover this very task. And the Bible says, go. Now, in your translation, it might say arise and go. But what the Hebrew's trying to get out here is the immediacy and the urgency of God's command to Jonah, and that is of his life, and that is to go. And it says this, and I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, let's do a little bit of business with this word great. Is God speaking to the character of the Ninevites whose wickedness has come up before him? Absolutely not. Here's what we learn in the book of Jonah about this word great, that it's not a reference at all to the city's character. Rather, it's a reference to the size of the city. In Jonah 4.11, we find that there's over 120,000 inhabitants of Nineveh. You go further on in Jonah chapter three, verse three, and you realize that Jonah makes mention that the city of Nineveh is as wide as a three-day travel. It takes three days just a journey through all the streets and all the suburbs of Nineveh. The city itself was great. And so this reference is not a reference to its character, 
but to the city's size. And it says this, it's the city of Nineveh. The city of Nineveh, why is this important? Why does this even matter? Well, Nineveh is located in what is present-day northern Iraq. And here's what you need to know about Nineveh, is that Nineveh has been up until this point in Jonah chapter 1 and will continue to be a great enemy to the people of God. They have oppressed, they have killed, they have plundered. They have been the great nemesis of the people of God. And here we find that their sin, their wickedness, their violence has come before the Lord. In fact, Nahum chapter three would describe it. And here's some of the characteristics that the prophet Nahum said about this city. They were a bloody city full of lies and plunder, prostitution and idolatry and the worship of many gods. And their sin has provoked God himself to send his prophet to tell them of their pending judgment if they do not repent before God and turn to him. This was an act by God, sending Jonah an act of great compassion and of mercy on behalf of God for a people who were undeserving. Hey guys, can I ask you, how different is your story than the Ninevites? I think of God's great compassion for me, and you know what? How undeserving I am of God's great compassion for me. Yet God's call in the life of Jonah was to go. Hey, can I remind you of something about the God we serve? That the God we serve is a God who sins. He is the God who sins. I thought about it this way. As we think about God sending Jonah, God sent Jonah to Nineveh. Most famously, he sent Jesus, his son, to earth to rescue all of humanity from their sins. And better yet, he's even sending you and I to this day into our families, into our community, into this world with the great compassionate gospel of Jesus Christ. The God we serve is a God who sins. And we see that even here in the book of Jonah. In fact, I wanna remind you of the words of Jesus. Jesus, in Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20, as Jesus has resurrected from the grave and as he has his disciples' attention, he says this, therefore, go. I, I love this word, go, in the Greek. It doesn't mean just go to Nineveh. It doesn't mean to go across the ocean or across the way. It, it really means as you are going and in your going. Therefore, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded them. And my favorite part is the promise on the end of that commission. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know what's amazing? The call of God on Jonah's life to go is the very same call on your life and my life. And here's what we begin to note. God's call on Jonah's life was rooted somewhere. You ready? Here's where it was rooted. In his compassion for people, all people, even his enemies. Think of the Assyrians or the Ninevites were the ISIS of their day. They were known for their terror, their treachery. They were enemies of God and they were enemies of God's people. Now for Jonah's part, he was not only a prophet, but he was a patriot. He was strongly Jewish and perhaps the most patriotic prophet in all of the Bible. And now God was calling him to preach to the enemy of the state, the enemy of the people, the enemy of God himself, the Ninevites. Now at the same time that God's calling Jonah to preach to the Ninevites, we find Amos, 
Jonah's preaching to the Ninevites in northern Iraq. Amos is preaching in the northern kingdom. And his message is simple. People of God, continue to sin. Continue to turn your back on God. And God will allow the Assyrians, the Ninevites to come in. And they're going to take care of you again. If you continue in your sin against God. And here's what I begin to see of God. That the Ninevites may have been his enemy. But that did not invalidate his passion for them. They may have been his enemy, but he was their creator. And he still loved them. That God loves his creation. Here's what's interesting to know. You know, our love for God is often evidenced in how we love our enemies. Jonah loved the people of God. He loved the nation of Israel, as did God. But he had a hatred for the Ninevites and such a hatred exposed a fatal flaw in Jonah's faith, a fatal flaw in his patriotism and a fatal flaw in his call as a prophet of God. You know what that fatal flaw was? His lack of godly compassion for people. And as we look at the book of Jonah, we find something out about God that's incredible, that we have a God who's compassionate. And we learn this about God's compassion, that it teaches us to love even and especially our enemies. Talk about a revolutionary thought. Look what Jesus said here in Matthew chapter five. You heard that it was said, love your enemy and, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Hey, by the way, how many of us at times would really like to have stopped right there? Hey, Jesus, hold up. Okay, we got it. Man, it's a whole lot easier to love our neighbor and to hate our enemy, isn't it? Especially when someone has done us really wrong. And we're not excusing any of that. Man, people hurt people. But thankfully for you and me, Jesus didn't stop there. But he continued, why? Because it's our very hope too. Watch what he says. But I tell you, to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. So if God's compassion is that deep concern for one's well-being and good, and we know ultimately that God is the greatest good for anyone's life, if that's God's compassion, are you kidding me if you're Jonah? That we're to pray for your enemy? Here's, let me tell you, let me teach you something about the Jonah in you and the Jonah in me. We would rather pray against our enemy than for our enemy, wouldn't we? I found a country music song. Now, church, let me tell you something. I love country music. Theologically, <laughs> it's off. Just, just don't, don't measure your faith on country music. You're just going to get messed up a little bit. I found a song, and it's just funny. It's called The Long Road to Love. Y'all ever heard that? Well, let me, let me read the first verse to you. I haven't been church since I don't remember when. Great start to a country song. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill. What? And knocks you in the head like I'd like This is some of y'all's theme song right here. Listen to it. your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, there's a difference for praying for our enemy 
and praying against our enemy, right? And thank God for country music to point that out to us. The very difference of that. Hey, listen, some of y'all prayed that prayer before that he did. You may have even given him some of the material to write that song. Here's what I want us to do for a minute. Kind of halt things real quick. Uh, Take a pen, if you would, and and one of those blue cards, whichever one you want. And and I want everybody to do this with me, okay? It only works if everybody does this. Um, And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a pen and I want you to write the initials of somebody who maybe in your life would kind of carry the title of maybe an enemy of yours. I know you may not call them that, but really that's what they are. And I just want you to write their initials. Why? Because I don't want the person next to you reading who your enemies are, right? And maybe it's one person, maybe it's a group of people. Uh, maybe it's more than one person. You just, you just list them out real quick, their initials on, on that piece of paper, okay? Keep, keep writing on whatever the initials are. And some of y'all are still writing. Um, there's a lot of people on that list, right? That's probably you problem. Look, it's getting about here. Now, write them down, write them down. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. You ready? Right where you are. We're gonna pray for your enemy right now. Or your enemies. Maybe this is the first time you've ever done this. But I want you to begin to pray for them. Maybe pray something like this. Lord, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I want to lift up, lift up my enemy to you, or my enemies. Father, I want want to pray something that's hard for me to pray this morning, but would you bless them? Would you forgive them? Would you work in them? Would you draw them close to you? Would you save them? And would you forgive me for the times I don't have much compassion? And help me to love and pray for them as you would, Father. And help heal the hurt that they've caused in my life. And so together, we pray for our enemies. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know what I've learned in life, church? It's really hard to hate somebody that you're praying for. It's easy to hate them if you're praying against them, like the country music song taught us. It's really hard to hate someone that you are praying for. You see, the Jonah in this story, the Jonah in me, the Jonah in you finds it much easier to hate our enemies than to pray for them or to have compassion on them. But that is not how God's compassion works. Because here's what we also learn about God's compassion from the book of Jonah, that it is for all people and not just some. Take a look at Second Peter here. I love this, that the Lord, he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Jonah in me tends to easily love some and just as easily not love others. Yet you know what I find with the compassion of God, church? Is I find the compassion of God is where hatred goes to die. The compassion of God is where hatred and its manifestations of of prejudices and racism and the many ugly things that hatred produces, that when it comes to the compassion of God, all hatred dies there. Why? Because God's compassion is for all people 
and not just some, and hatred in any form has no place in the life of the child of God and has no place in his church. The compassion of God loves all and not some. And we're also reminded this about God's compassion. And here's where it kind of hits home for the Jonah in me and the Jonah in you. You ready? We're reminded that God's compassion has saved the enemy in me and the enemy in you. Here's the thought. God's capacity to love and forgive my enemy is the only way that I know that God has the capacity to love and to forgive the enemy in me. His capacity to show compassion on the Ninevites is crucial for you and I to be able to celebrate the compassion that he has shown for us through Jesus. Look at Colossians chapter 1. It says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Isn't this an incredible place to be? But we're only in this place in Christ because of God's great compassion and grace through the gospel that forgave and saved the enemy that you and I have been because of our sin. Hear me, the truth of the matter is, he said, I was once God's enemy because of my sin and my rebellion, but God sent someone far greater than Jonah, far greater than Jonah. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for my sin, to save the enemy, to save me. The Jonah of this story, the Jonah in you and the Jonah in me, often forget how much compassion has been shown to us. And that is evidenced by our unwillingness to show compassion to others at time. And it's evidenced by our all too often willingness to withhold compassion from other people. And so we find God's great compassion has compelled him to call Jonah to preach to the Ninevites. The stage is set, the curtain is drawn back. No, now all Jonah has to do is watch this, you ready? Is go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before the Lord. The Bible says, but Jonah, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Does that sound familiar to you at all? When God said go, Jonah said no. I wonder how many times God has said go to me. And I've said no. You know what? I wonder how many times a day God, through his spirit of my life, says, Anthony, I, I want you to go over here. I, I want you to go there. I, I want you to do this or that. And, and the Jonah in me, my sin nature, here's that God says go, and yet I, I say no. The Bible says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord as if he could, as if we could. You know, I wish this was all about exercise, right? I wish Jonah's running. I could preach against exercise and running and all those great things this morning. But hear me, when it comes to Jonah's running, we see this as nothing less than rebellion against God, a rejection of God's call in his life, and ultimately a decision he will soon regret. Our sin nature, in a sense, the Jonah in you and the Jonah in me is quick to respond to God's word, to God's call by running, rejection, and always it will leave us in great regret. But why did he run? Come on, man, he had one job. Go to Nineveh. Why did, why did Jonah run? 
And here's the best explanation I have. His hatred for Nineveh, for the Assyrians, overpowered his love and obedience to God. Hey, isn't that what hatred does? It consumes and it takes over. Isn't that what hatred does in our life, the Jonah and me and you? It consumes us and it takes us over. And we find ourselves much like Jonah, running away from God. Now listen, I know that Jonah must have feared the Assyrians, the, the Ninevites, they were, they were cruel and treacherous. But his hatred for them motivated him far more than his fear of them. And here's what the Bible says. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, let me just, let me stop right here. Nineveh, from where God is calling out to, uh, to Jonah, is 500 miles to the east. A month's journey. But the Bible says that, that he headed for Tarshish. He went down to a port city of Joppa and he found a boat heading that way. And he went to Tarshish. Now, Tarshish is some 2,500 miles from Nineveh. In fact, it is the furthermost point that Jonah could run away from God in the ancient Mediterranean world. So listen, he didn't just say no to God. He really was getting out of Dodge and running as fast and as far as he could from God as if he could. And you know what I'm reminded? The Jonah in me, the Jonah in you, tries the very same thing at times. God says go and we say no and we do our best to run from him. I go on, I look in a passage and it says this, after paying the fare, after paying the, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to do what? To flee from the Lord. I love, what. there's no wiggle room here. This, there's no doubt what Jonah's doing here. He is running and he is fleeing from God. And I love this, after paying the fare. Hey, church, can I remind you something? Hear me. You and I will always pay a price when we run from the Lord. You and I will always pay the fare when we run from God. Now listen, in Christ, yes, God does, God has, and God will forgive us. But the consequences of our sin are allowed to play out in our lives, and rightfully so. Why? So that you and I can develop a hatred towards our sin and its consequences and an even deeper love for God the Father. And I want to make this note too, believer, what Jonah's story reminds us of too, is that sometimes when hardships come to our lives, when things get difficult for us, we are quick to blame other people we're even quick to blame the devil and listen, at times he's at work and other people are at work as well. But oftentimes, here's the reality that we learn about Jonah's story and the Jonah and me and you is that some of the hardships, some of the difficult places in life are brought about by our own choice to sin and to run from God. There are own consequences, not all the time and not everything, but some are a result of our sin and our running from God. Here's what my youth pastor taught me when I was 15 years old, and I never forget it, 20 plus years ago. He said, Anthony, sin will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you a price that you are not willing to pay. Let me say that again. Sin will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you a price that you're not willing to pay. And that is the testimony of every alcoholic. 
every drug addict, every adulterer, everyone who's abandoned their family, every pornography addict, every liar, every cheater. Hear me, church. Every sinner. I look at sin. It took Jonah further than he wanted to go, kept him longer than he wanted to stay, and cost him a price he was not willing to pay. So let me ask you this question. What is your Nineveh? What is it that God's called you to do and you find yourself running from him? Who is your Nineveh? Who is it that God has told you and called you to show great compassion and great mercy on to reach out to and yet you find yourself running away from God? And know this from Jonah's story. Anything less than total obedience to God's call is disobedience in his sin. And sin always comes with a price. Who and what is the Nineveh in your life? Now, now you may be sitting there and go, wait a second, Anthony. Jonah was a prophet and I'm no prophet. So this story really doesn't relate to me. Now, wait a minute, believer. You're telling me that in Christ, you are not called of God to go tell others about his great compassion through the gospel because you're you're not a prophet? Guys, hear me. That line of thinking is nothing more than an excuse. Matthew chapter 28 settled it for all believers that we are therefore go in our going and as we go with a very compassionate gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, did you know last year the Salvation Army, it's 3,600 officers, it's 64,000 employees and over 3 million volunteers ministered and met the needs of over 30 million Americans last year. That is one American helped by the Salvation Army every second of the day. Incredible ministry. I love their founder, William Booth. He has some really great quotes, and I'm going to read one to you right now about this whole conversation. Did God really call you? Did God really call me? Now, I, I want to give you a warning. Uh, this is not a politically correct statement uh, in our culture, and so if you get offended easy, you just go out there to the coffee bar, go sip, and listen anyway. Get over it. Here's the deal. This quote, man, it, it talks about, man, what is our response to the great compassion of God. And I love what he says. He says, you might say I'm not called, Mr. Booth said. He said, rather, you've not heard the call. He said, put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burden, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful cry for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned beg of you to go to their father's house and to bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. And then he said, look to Christ. Look him in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether you will join him heart and soul and body and circumstance in the march to publish his mercy and grace to the world. You know, the Jonah in me, when God calls, tends to want to say no. But the Jesus in me, always, always says go. The Jesus in me always says go. You and I are called in Christ to share the compassion of God through the gospel to Nineveh into the world. You and I, though the Jonah and us may say no, you and I are charged with allowing the Jesus in you and me to go to the Nineveh that God's called us to, 
So as we kind of close up, Anthony, how do I run from the Jonah in me? Anthony, how is it that I, 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 I he's kind of exposed through his book today, I, there's a Jonah in me that tends to run, that, retend, that tends to reject God's call for my life. That's left me with a lot of regret. How is it that I run from this sin nature, this, this Jonah in me? And here's three things I wanna challenge you with. Number one, as the word of the Lord came to Jonah in verse one, you come to the word of the Lord and let it work in you. James chapter one, verse 22 reminds us not to be just hearers of the word of God, but to be doers also. So here's my challenge, believer. You ready? Running from the Jonah in you, you come to the word of God and you do so by sitting under the preaching collectively as we gather together. You do so by opening his word in your everyday and reading it, memorizing it and praying through it. The word of God came to Jonah. But in verse three, we recognize he did not allow the word of God to work in him. And so church, you ready? It's time that we open his word. It's time that we allow it to work in us. And it's time, listen, and there's no better way to put it. We ought to obey his word. When the Jonah in me says no, the Jesus in me says go, and I'm gonna stick with Jesus every time. Here's the second thing. No matter the Nineveh God has called you to, go. What is your Nineveh? Who is your Nineveh? You have a choice this morning. You have a choice. You can continue to run from God and you can continue to find out that sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay and cost you a price that you're not willing to, to pay. Or you can do this. You can trust the Lord. You can walk with the Lord and you can go for God to Nineveh. And it really is all about your choice. You want to honor him? Are you ready to go to Nineveh? And here's number three. How do I run from the Jonah in me? You let God's compassion for you in Christ compel you to take his compassion from Nineveh to your neighbor, to the nations. To take his compassion to your enemies and to your friends and to everyone in between. The challenge is to let your compassion, much like Jonah's story, point people to Jesus. That Jonah and you will always say no. But remember that Jesus and you will always go. And I tell you what, I need to run from Jonah in my life. And I need to run with Jesus wherever he leads. I want to close with this story, if this is okay. On May 7th, um, just a couple of weeks ago, Kendrick Castillo was sitting in his literature class in suburban Denver when all of a sudden a gunman came into his classroom. And this young man, as his classmates, and he's, he was terrified of what was happening, he acted quickly. The story goes that while the classmates were finding a place to hide, when the gunman came in and started barking his orders that all the students stay where they are, Kendrick gets up from his desk and he charges the gunman. In fact, one of the students would say this. He recalled that Kendrick lunged at the gunman and was shot. But by lunging at the gunman, it gave his other classmates enough time to hide behind the, uh, their desk or to exit out a door. And the only person killed that day at that school shooting, a tragedy and a plague upon our culture, the only tragedy that day was this young man. 
the violence of Nineveh had visited his literature classroom. And this young man, with great compassion, caring for the needs of others more than the needs of himself, their well-being and their good, instead of hiding, he fought the gunman. And his life was lost. I think of Kendrick's story. He was three days from his last day of class at his high school. He was just days before his graduation. He's a hero. He was far braver that day and far more compassionate than even the prophet of God by the name of Jonah was on the day that God had called him to go to the Ninevites. Jonah can learn a whole lot about compassion from this young man. The Jonah in me, the Jonah in you, can learn a whole lot about compassion from this young man. And I'm reminded, even as we tell Kendrick's story, I'm reminded of the greatest act of compassion in all of history. And that is the time where, where God had clothed himself in flesh and made his dwelling upon us. That God took on the enemy that was our sin that sought to destroy us and to kill us. And there, God in the flesh, Jesus died on the cross for my sin and for my shame. And praise God, three days later, rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave so that you and I may have life and life to the full. And so my question this morning, believer, are you ready to run from the Jonah in you? And are you ready to run with the Jesus that will always call you to go? And the beautiful part of that great commission passage, and surely he is with us always to the very end. When the Jonah in me says no, the Jesus in me empowers me, enables me, and excites me to go. Because you know the prize in all of that? Surely he's with me always to the very end. Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.